Welcome back to another edition of Down to the Wire again alongside my uh, NHL analyst Nolan Thode. Nolan, we had a crazy trade deadline day today that we'll that we will get to shortly. Uh, you know, but how are you doing today? I'm doing well. You know, I'm happy. It's it's been a long time since you know we haven't been at school during the trade deadline day. So you know, a lot a lot less going on. You know, typically we're at school checking our phones, checking Twitter. You know, every single second just to see if anything came up. But you know. Now that we're at home, it's a lot, you know, more relaxed and it's been a good day. Yeah, and I totally agree with you. You know, uh, I'm glad that we were at home for once during a trade deadline day uh, celebration here. And, you know, like just to, uh, I guess, second on your uh, thought there with going on our phones every day and, uh, you know, checking Twitter. I was certainly doing that a lot uh, today. I know that. No, absolutely. Just trying to keep, you know, in touch with all the news, lots of stuff going on around the league. Well, last Monday, uh, the Anaheim Ducks actually released a press statement saying that, you know, we're going to move Zegers down to the AHL to help him transition into a full-time centerman. Uh, you know, they had him on the wing just to get him used to the NHL. But I think this is a good idea by the Ducks uh, to announce this to their fans because, you know, there's transparency there. Uh, you know, the fans know what's going on with the organization. I really like that, and I wish that more teams would do that. Yeah, you know, it's nice for them to come out and really, you know, assure the fans that, you know, nothing's going on in terms of, you know, him not being able to play in the NHL. You know, he's proven kind of that he can keep up, you know, obviously he's a skilled, you know, young talent. But I think an important part for them is, you know, him being able to be a center, you know, not just in, uh, you know, playing in junior. They want him to be a center full time in the NHL, you know, coming after Ryan Getzlaff. So, if he was playing the wing on the team right now, they, they, they want him to, you know, be able to, you know, step up and, and play center and doing that in the a AHL is how it's going to help him, you know, make that transition. Eric Stoll in his first game as a Montreal Canadian scored the game winning goal in overtime against your Edmonton Oilers there uh, with a, you know, kind of a right wing snapshot, almost uh, kind of like a Kessel shot, but more, uh, a more less flex, I would, I would say, but, you know, he scored the game winner in his first game as a hab. Uh, great to see from Stoll, but, you know, ever since that game, Stoll really hasn't been, uh, you know, producing offensively however he's been uh, he really got brought in by the Montreal Canadiens to win face-offs in my opinion yeah exactly you know he, he got brought in for a lot more things than just you know his his play style you know he could win face-offs he's a good veteran guy uh, obviously had a good debut scoring the game winner you know Habs fans you know we're, we're happy to see that but you know he, he does offer a lot to this you know Habs team you know they're they're very young and you know he just offers some veteran leadership and I think, you know, as time goes on, he'll get a little bit more comfortable in the lineup and his impact will be felt even more. So Colorado, uh, they've been introducing a lot of rookies over this past season due to their, uh, you know, a lot of injuries, uh, you know, on the back end, up front. One of the rookies there, Kyle Burrows, made his debut on Monday night, last Monday against the Minnesota Wild. And he actually got in a fight with Nick Bjugstad. And, uh, you know, I would give Kyle Burrows the credit there for winning the fight. Uh, it was very surprising to see a rookie fight in his first game, uh, you know, albeit uh, for what it's worth, you know, it shows that he has good, tough, good grit, uh, you know, something that Colorado would like to see in the future, in my opinion. Uh, but, you know, they, they held on to uh, beat the Wild 5-4 during that game. The Wild, uh, you know, they have an abysmal power play. However, it's been heating up as of late. During that mm -hmm. specific game, they scored two power play goals. So, you know, it seems like both teams had a good game. Obviously, only one team can win. Yeah, obviously it's tough, but, you know, 5-4, high-scoring game, so a lot of guys are getting on the score sheet. 
you know, as for Burroughs, it's, it's just nice to see this intensity, you know, from a young guy coming in, stepping in the lineup, you know, just, just for him to, you know, be able to drop the gloves in his first game just shows a lot of confidence and, you know, hopefully he can work to be, you know, a solid piece for the avalanche in the future. On Tuesday, Tace Thompson made his NHL debut against his older brother, Tage Thompson, uh, when the Devils played the Sabres. Uh, I thought that was kind of a cool moment uh, to throw in there because we, we love seeing all these rookies make their NHL debuts. Uh, Tace was recently signed by the Devils after his college season ended. Yeah, you know, and you got to think about those parents, you know, Tage and Tace, you know, they definitely like like that sounding name i guess but you know it was nice to see you know i saw the posts on social media of the two brothers you know lining up side by side and it's nice you know tage was a first round pick so you know taste you know didn't have that going for him but you know he's able to you know get that contract and get into the nhl you know good for him jeremy swayman made his nhl debut for the boston bruins against the philadelphia flyers on tuesday night and you know the bruins are without you know their top three defense uh, they were without their top two goalies in Raskin and Halak. However, Rask is skating again and should be back soon. Jeremy Swayman is apparently their top goalie prospect for the Bruins. And, you know, fans got really got a glimpse of the future there. He made 40 saves in his first NHL win. And actually during that game, Patrice Bergeron eclipsed 900 career points. So two accomplishments going to two, uh, you know, great individuals for the Boston Bruins. Yeah, you know, the Boston Bruins, you know, both Swayman and, you know, Dan Vladar have, you know, come in and made their NHL debuts this season and been phenomenal. So, you know, it, it, it's credit to, you know, those prospects, but also just the Bruins organization as a whole. Like you mentioned, you know, they were missing a lot of pieces on defense as well. And, you know, they're just super well coached and, you know, it doesn't really matter who's in net, you know, that they, they have a good chance. And I think, you know, their whole team, you know, just has a defensive mindset in general. And that really does, you know, help a young goalie coming in even if he did have to make 40 saves. On Wednesday, the Canucks COVID case count was up to 21. Uh, you know, you may hear reports saying that it's 19, but that's uh, not including the taxi squad players. So players on the taxi squad for the Canucks did test positive for the coronavirus. Uh, if we compare this to other major leagues across North America, the Miami Marlins had 20 cases during their uh, shortened MOB season there. And it's crazy because... Uh, you know, the NHL announced that the Canucks are returning to play this week. I didn't think it was possible for the Canucks to uh, return to play, let alone the government to allow it. Um, but, you know, it includes a lot of back-to-backs. Uh, it's 19 games in 31 days. So, you know, it's going to be a crazy jam-packed schedule. And for Canuck fans, they're going to get a glimpse of the future here since I would assume uh, most of their AHL players or taxi squad players would be playing in some of those games. Yeah, exactly. You know, in, in 31 days, if you're playing 19 games, you're going to see a lot of different lineups for the Canucks, you know, just in terms of, you know, energy and such. And it's going to be interesting to see, you know, who, who really fills in these spots. Um, it's just an unfortunate situation with the Canucks and it just proves, you know, how, you know, viral this virus can be. You know, it was only, you know, a couple cases and it just kind of sort of blew up to took over their whole organization as well as the families. So, you know, a dangerous situation, but it will be nice to see them back on the ice, you know, within the next couple of weeks. I think, you know, they're slated to play on uh, Saturday against the Oilers. Yeah, and I think you're correct there. And, you know, I just, just one last note here, uh, you know, on the Canucks, and I hope that, uh, you know, everyone gets back healthy and safe and, you know, fully recovers from it. Cause you know, like we said last week, this is a really dangerous thing and uh, you know, it can impact 
uh, some of their futures. And, you know, Tanner Pearson just got signed to an extension. He was injured, I believe. He didn't have COVID. Um, but, you know, it's great to see that he's extended. Uh, but, yeah, I'm just hoping that everyone fully recovers. No, absolutely. Uh, some personal pegcast uh, news here. So actually, uh, for the U18, the yearly U18 uh, tournament that happens in the States there, it's happening in Texas this year. Uh, a couple interviews to look out for. Uh, Logan Stankoven, or Stankoven, uh, you know, he plays for the Kamloops Blazers. He's a 2021 NHL draft pick. I had the chance to sit down with him and talk with him. Uh, so he actually made the U18 Team Canada. And uh, another person to mention is Ben Goudreau, uh, Sarnia Sting goaltender. I had the chance again to sit down and interview him. So uh, two interviews to be on the lookout uh, as the U18s uh, get underway next uh, next month, actually. Uh, so, yeah, both those players made U18 Team Canada. I'm super proud of them. Uh, you know, all their hard work is, uh, you know, not going unnoticed. Uh, I feel really bad for Ben Goudreau, though, because, uh, you know, there's no OHL season quite yet. And, you know, Sarnia, they are part of the OHL. So, Hopefully, uh, you know, this actually puts such a big microscope on him to basically perform perfect if he wants to raise his draft stock. So the pressure's there for uh, Ben, but it's not there for, you know, Logan, since Logan has had a partial season to uh, raise his draft stock. No, exactly. I think this U18 tournament is, you know, unlike any other where some of the guys, you know, haven't really, you know, played this season. And I think it'll be interesting, you know, highly competitive and it'll just be nice to see all these prospects get on the ice. And one other shout out uh, to Burlington, Ontario native Shane Wright for making the team. Uh, he's 2022 NHL draft eligible. So, uh, you know, congrats to everyone that made it. And actually, uh, there is no QMJHL players that's on the U18. So uh, that's that comes as shocking news because and actually very uh, terrible news because, you know, you're the QMJHL didn't release any of their players simply because they wanted their own league playoffs to start on time. Uh, or, you know, get scheduled in a way where it would be starting on time. And I think that's brutal because, uh, you know, you're taking away a kid's opportunity to uh, really show off their skills on a national level. I mean, this is being broadcasted by TSN and, you know, QMJHO don't doesn't have the TV rights. So you're taking away a kid's dreams, essentially. Yeah, you know, like I mentioned, you know, just talking about the tournament, it'll be nice to see, you know, these prospects getting this last sort of chance, you know, before the draft to kind of, you know, make a name for themselves. And, you know, they can obviously do so in the playoffs. But I think, you know, this tournament as a whole, you know, there's going to be a lot of scouts there, a lot of scouts, you know, viewing these games. So, you know, for the players that do play in the QMJHL, it's unfortunate that, you know, they're not able to participate. Montreal Canadiens announced on Wednesday that Brendan Gallagher, their heart and soul of the team, is out for six weeks. Uh, so that's basically for the whole season. And as we saw this past week, it seems as though Gallagher really gets that offense going, really gets that team going. They went 1-4-0 and in their past five games. So, uh, ever, you know, you can make the argument that without Gallagher, the Habs are just a completely different team that's on the ice. Yeah, Brendan Gallagher, I think, is the heart and soul of the Habs. You know, you, you hit it. Yeah, you got that exactly right. I think, you know, they're a different team when he's not out there on the ice. He's just, you know, brings so much to the game. He, he got a great, com complete two-way game. You know, he's going to play, you know, every role that you need him to. He's going to score you a goal. He's going to make a pass. He's going to make a hit. You know, just kind of one of those, you know, rare players in the NHL that just can do everything. So it, definitely a big blow for the Canadians in this final stretch of the season. 
And, you know, you're not, you don't want to slump at this time because, you know, mathematically uh, the Calgary Flames are still in it despite, uh, you know, the Habs having a couple games in hand there. But, you know, Mark Bergevin said it best that, you know, you only have games in hand unless you win them, right? And Montreal certainly hasn't been winning as of late. And, you know, just the offense has been a complete flop. Where, you know, comes the solution is Cole Caulfield. Uh, as we record right now, Laval has a complete week off until their next game. Cole Caulfield has three goals in two games, uh, you know, two game winners against the Toronto Marlies. And, you know, Laval's first in the division, but uh, with the offense being dried up, Munchell should certainly, you know, I elevate Cole Caulfield to the taxi squad. If not, give him a couple games in the NHL and then send him back down. It's not that big of a deal if you send him back down. A lot of players get sent back to the AHL to develop their game a lot. Exactly. You know, we talk about Zegras, you know, being sent down just to, you know, get that more development. But, you know, Cole Caulfield so far in two games in the AHL has, you know, looked like one of the best players on the ice every time he's touched it. So I think, you know, definitely with the Gallagher, Gallagher injury, especially, I think the Habs definitely need to look at, you know, bringing Cole Caulfield up just because he can provide, you know, some of that offense that Gallagher, you know, it, they're missing without him. And, you know, let's move on to, uh, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs and Jack Campbell. What a story he that has been. Uh, he's current, he's current on, he's on a current 11 0 and 0 pay, or uh, win streak right now. But mm-hmm. he set the Leafs franchise record for most consecutive wins with 10. He later broke the NHL record, which was set by Carey Price. Uh, you know, fantastic story there. And the Leafs acquired uh, Dave Riddick to, you know, basically not have the same problem as Colorado did in the playoffs where they lost both of their starters. So, you know, I kind of like the trade in that sense, but yeah, uh, you know, it's, this is the Leafs best first 40 games of a season in franchise history by three points Uh, in an 82 game season. The Leafs would be on pace for 117 points, which would smash the franchise record of 105. So, you know, it seems like the Leafs have everything in place to go on a deep playoff run. Yeah, exactly. You know, this is the best Leafs team that we've definitely seen probably in our lifetimes. Uh, you know, they, they didn't really have much for the first half. You know, when we were growing up, the Leafs, you know, were always, you know, bottom of the league laughing stock. But, you know, it's allowed them to, you know, get these young prospects, you know, like, you know, Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews and William Nylander, you know, obviously all great top six forwards now. Um, it's going to be exciting to see what the Leafs are able to do in the playoffs. You know, they were actually buyers at the deadline you know, pretty aggressively. So it'll be interesting to see how those pieces, you know, work in and, you know, just for Jack Campbell, you know, congrats to him. And it's just nice to see. Trading season did get underway Wednesday, as we saw Cal Palmieri and Travis Zajac get traded to the New York Islanders for AJ Greer. Mason drops a 2021 Isles first round pick in a conditional fourth round pick in 2022. The conditions on the pick are if the Isles make the Stanley Cup final, the uh, the fourth becomes a third in 2022 or 2023. New York has the option. From my knowledge, the 2022 and 2023 drafts are equally as strong. So, uh, you know, it seems as though that New York uh, really got the win in this deal, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see AJ Greer or Mason Jobs ever playing for New Jersey. Yeah, I think Kyle Palmieri was one of the top, you know, guys that was going to be moved at the deadline and New York was able to land him, but not only him, but, you know, his teammate Travis Ajak, who had spent his entire career, you know, with the Devils um, playing, you know, over a thousand games for them. I think, you know, it's just a really good acquisition for the, you know, Islanders. I think, you know, 
Kyle Palmieri brings some scoring. You know, they lost Anders Lee, so they're looking for more scoring in the top six, obviously. And, you know, Zajac just brings some leadership. Last year, they got Andy Green at the deadline, and that's another New Jersey devil. Uh, you know, Lula Morello, obviously, the GM. So they got a lot of devil influence on them. And this team does remind me of those cup-winning teams, you know, the New Jersey Devils, you know, maybe not the most talented always, but just a hard team to play. And I think, you know, they're going to be that in the playoffs this year. Well, I mean, let's just take a quick look at their center depth. They have Matt Barzell, Jean-Gabriel Peugeot, Brock Nelson, Casey Sezikis, and now Travis Zajac. So, you know, those are five great centermen right there for the New York Islanders that are capable of playing that center position on a nightly basis. So, yeah, you know, to your point, they are going to be a really tough team to win against. No, exactly. And, you know, with, with the way that Varlamov has been playing this season, you know, it's just going to be a tough team to beat in seven, especially, you know, with you know, Barry Trotz behind the bench. Kevin Fiala scored his first career hat trick. And, you know, if we re revisit the one for one Fiala for Grandland trade, uh, I guess Minnesota would do that again, nine times out of 10. And what a pickup he's been. I think he's one of the more underrated wingers in the NHL. He has an, un he has an unbelievable wrist shot in my opinion. And, you know, to add on to just that performance by the Minnesota Wild, Kirill Kaprizov recorded his third three points performance, which is the most by any Wild rookie in franchise history. Luke Johnson scored his first NHL goal, four power play goals for one of the worst power plays in the league. Uh, you know, that is obviously something the Wild want to keep going if they want to have success in the playoffs. Because if we remind ourselves, the refs like to put their whistles away uh, come playoff time. They like to, you know, let the players play it out. So when you get a power play, you absolutely have to convert on it. No, for sure. You know, two years ago at the deadline, it was Kevin Fiala for Grandland one for one. And I remember, you know, right when that trade was announced, a lot of people thought that Nashville was, you know, the winners in that trade by far, because, you know, at that time, Grandland was, you know, solidified as, you know, top six forward, kind of like 60 point sort of guy. And Kevin Fiala was a little unproven, but like you mentioned, his wrist shot last year, he went on a tear to finish the season and then kind of carried it into the bubble. Uh, you know, I remember watching him against Vancouver in the play and, you know, he, he just had a great shot and, you know, a good, good nose for the net. And then you got guys like Kaprizov, you know, if they're really working, if they're clicking, that power play can be, you know, can be, you know, effective. Jared Spurgeon came in, uh, you know, three power play assists in this game. You know, uh, I think that might have been what they were lacking. You know, they tried Sutter, they tried Dumbo on that top power play, wasn't, wasn't really working. Um, so, you know, carrying into the playoffs, you know, they just got a lot of momentum right now and we'll see what Minnesota can do. On Thursday, we learned that this was the first day in over a week, I believe, that there were no positive cases within the Vancouver Canucks organization. So, you know, they are on the road to recovery, like we mentioned. And, you know, uh, Jay Beagle actually had a false positive, but he is out for the rest of the season, unfortunately. Uh, so, you know, it's it just sucks to see uh, the Canucks go through this. But, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the for some reason, the NHL wanted to have them play uh, you know, 19 games in 31 days, but uh, it, it's going to be a tough stretch for them. And I'm, you know, super, uh, I, I just hope that, you know, Travis Green uh, realizes this is a real tough challenge for the Canucks players to face. And, you know, like you mentioned, he's probably going to have to get creative on the lineup card. 
No, exactly. And, you know, Vancouver last year, they were a success story, you know, making it to the conference semifinals, losing to Vegas in seven. You know, this year they were a little disappointing. So if you can take anything away from this season, it's going to be, you know, these next 19 games. If they can finish strong and carry something going into next season, it could be a good thing for the Canucks. But, you know, obviously on just a COVID base, it's just nice to see that no, no positive cases, you know, within the organization, you know, even if it was a bad stretch. I should mention that, you know, it seems as though that Vancouver will have to rely on Braden Hopi more because Thatcher Demko did test positive. So, uh, you know, Hopi, he had a rough stretch to the start of the season. To me, it seems as though with Thatcher Demko signed long-term, uh, Hopi is the obvious choice to leave, uh, you know, exposed in the expansion draft there as a goalie. So, uh, you know, we'll see if he gets claimed. And if he doesn't, well, you know, Vancouver has a log jam uh, in net with Michael DiPietro coming up soon, Hopi and Demko. Yeah, you know, with, with all the back-to-backs as well, I think Hopi's going to see the net a lot more. And it could be good for him, you know, if he if he can prove – you know, that he's the Braden Hopi of old, you know, maybe Seattle takes a chance on him. I think as of now, I think he wouldn't be one of the goalies selected for that, you know, new uh, expansion team. But if he can do well in this final stretch, maybe he can, you know, be that starter for Seattle next season. Tanner Pearson signed a three-year 9.75 extension with the Canucks. So it's around 3.25 mil as an AAV. Uh, you know, I thought this was kind of a cheap contract uh, for once in Jim Benning's uh, tenure there. You know, I'm, I kind of agree with him getting paid uh, 3.25 a year, uh, you know, with him, with his point production there. Uh, I think it'll be good on the, you know, second, maybe middle six, bottom six there uh, for Vancouver. I, can't, I, I like this deal. Yeah, you know, Tanner Pearson played in LA and then he got traded to Pittsburgh and then found his way in Vancouver and, you know, alongside Bo Horvat, I think, you know, the two of them, you know, play on the second line together and I think they have some good chemistry. So, you know, locking him up for three years, uh, you know, could be a top six piece, you know, he could be a bottom six piece, he could play anywhere in the lineup, I think, you know, it's just a good contract by Jim Benning with it, which is, uh, you know, something pretty rare. Rasmus Dahlin became the youngest Swedish defenseman in the NHL to record 100 points. Uh, you know, great co- accomplishment for, uh, you know, a guy that has really regressed this season, uh, you know, with his defensive play. He hasn't, you know, really been putting up the offensive numbers that a first overall pick would be accounted for. Yeah, you know, he's had a tough season, as have, you know, the, ho- the whole organization within Buffalo. Um, but, you know, you look at all the Swedish defensemen in NHL history, you got guys like Hedman, Lidstrom, just, you know, for him to be the quickest to record 100 points, it really does go to show that he's actually been, you know, rather impressive in his NHL career so far. Obviously this year, you know, is going to be one that they don't want to focus on too much, but hopefully Rasmus Dahlin is able to rebound from this year and, you know, have a successful career. The Oilers completed a perfect sweep of Ottawa 9-0-0. And, you know, this comes as a, as a surprise to everyone because Ottawa's been a pest in that North Division, uh, picking off wins here and there from, you know, basically every other team except Edmonton. Yeah, you know, they, they really just knew, you know, what game plan to bring in every time they went to play Ottawa. Uh, you know, we lost to them last season, I remember. And, you know, they, they weren't even as impressive as they are this year. Um, so it's nice for just, you know, to see the Oilers be able to capitalize and, you know, finish that nine game sweep. Connor McDavid tied Bobby Orr for the fourth fewest games needed to get to 360 career assists. Uh, him and Dreisaitl were a complete dynamo in that series against Ottawa. You know, they were finding each other all the time. Uh, you know, you can look at it on the box score, on the score sheet. So, yeah, you know, uh, to your point, like, 
Edmonton just figured out every single way to beat Ottawa. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because the Oilers, you know, the, t- the teams that they're able to beat up on are the teams that are a little bit slower just because, you know, the Oilers obviously have McDavid. But, you know, the Senators can somewhat match the Oilers' speed. So it is impressive, you know, that they were to win, able to win all nine games, you know. And I think all nine were in regulation as well. Alex Ovechkin scored his 266th uh, career power play goal, passing Brett Hull for second all-time. Dave Andrichuk sits first all-time with 274 power play goals. Uh, so we can assume that Alex Ovechkin will pass that record in no time. I, I can basically assume that by the end of the season. Yeah, exactly. You know, you think of Ovi, you think of him just, you know, in his office on the power play, just being able to rip you know, one time or is, you know, one after another. And, you know, for him to be number one all time on power play goals, it, it just makes sense. And I think, you know, maybe even this season he's able to do it, but, you know, absolutely in his career, he'll be able to, you know, be number one on that list by, by the end of it. Steven Stamkos was injured in a Tampa Bay Lightning win on Thursday night. And, you know, it seems as though Stamkos has had his fair deal of injuries the re, you know past couple of seasons. Uh, you know, he scored one goal in the cup final. He came back and then he just, you know, left essentially. He was injured again. He tweaked something. But yeah, it sucks to see one of the stars in the NHL keep getting injured. Yeah, exactly. You know, Steven Stamkos, when he has been on the ice, has been, you know, a very impressive player, you know, Hall of Fame, absolutely. But, you know, with his injuries, it's just been tough. And, you know, especially as a fan, you know, Stamkos is just a fun player to watch when he is on the ice. So it's unfortunate, you know, when he's he's not able to play, uh, you know, what could have been, you know, had he had not been injured, you know, he scored 60 goals, you know, I think in one of his first five seasons. So Stamkos, you know, it's unfortunate. And, you know, as soon as I read that notification that he got hurt again, you know, I, I was, it was upsetting. On Friday, top Sabres prospect R2 Rootsalainen made his NHL debut. And a few games later, he scored his first NHL goal, a complete rocket uh, top mm-hmm. cheese uh, against the Philadelphia Flyers. So, uh, you know, Buffalo, again, are showing off their future with Dylan Cousins and R2 Rootsalainen playing together. I, I'm starting to like this Rootsalainen guy. I think he can definitely have a good career there in Buffalo. Yeah, exactly. You know, Buffalo, you know, Rick Jenneret, he's a legend. I think, you know, this is his last or second last season. So someone else is going to have to take on the role, but Buffalo's got some tough, they got a lot of, you know, Rasmuses. They got a lot of, they got Rustalainen, Ristalainen. So, you know, a lot of familiar names, but you know, it's nice to see him, you know, it was a beauty of a goal that he scored on Sunday. Alan Vigneault received both doses of the COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, Just, you know, quick uh, bit of information there. Great to see coaches are getting the vaccine as well. Mm -hmm. And and I saw the Rangers were getting vaccinated as well, you know, promoting it on their social media. Just a good thing for the league, for sure. Jim Benning and Dr. Bovard, who is their team doctor for Vancouver, had a press conference on Friday. Uh, you know, that was their first press conference uh, since the whole COVID outbreak. So uh, the, nuts and, the nuts and bolts, as always, uh, the virus was likely found at a restaurant. No COVID protocol breach within the NHL guidelines. No players were hospitalized. Uh, they want players to uh, get back to full health before returning to practice. Uh, there was a whole range of COVID symptoms. The Canucks are going to play all 56 games. Uh, family members were still getting sick. Uh, you know, and Jim Benning uh, said the infamous quote of, doesn't see, doesn't foresee any cap issues in the future. Uh, so if you, you know, if you're that confident, then you have to imagine like, you know, if a team has a lot of cap space, if they offer sheet Pedersen or Quinn Hughes. 
Yeah, you know, it's going to be an issue. I think, you know, every single offseason, it's been the fans, you know, speculating, is this going to be the year that we see, you know, a big RFA get qualified? And, you know, we haven't seen it so far. Um, but, you know, Patterson and Hughes, those are two big pieces. You know, that's a number one center and a number one defenseman that you want to lock up, you know, as long as you can. So hopefully Jim Benning is able to do that. Alex Ovechkin, again, made headlines, uh, another career accomplishment, scoring his 457th career even strength goal and surpassed Brett Hull, who had 456 uh, for sole possession of sixth most in NHL history. He can get it done five on five and five on four. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that Gretzky or uh, sorry, Ovechkin can have a real shot at passing Gretzky. Uh, it's crazy to think, but I think it could happen. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the, if not the, in my opinion, the greatest goal scorer of all time, Alex Ovechkin, I think, you know, the only thing that, you know, prevents him from, you know, being undisputably that is if he is number one all time in goals by the end of it. So, you know, just cheering for him, you know, each and every goal he scores, it's it's going to, you know, equate to something and hopefully he's able to, you know, pass Gretzky in his career. So sources confirmed that the Isles had a package deal for Sabres Taylor Hall, but the addition of Travis Zajac and Cal Palmieri trade sweetened the pot and Lou Lamorello went with that. So, you know, the Isles could have replaced uh, Anders Lee with Taylor Hall and, you know, that would have been one stacked offense. Instead, they go for a package deal, uh, which kind of complements, I think like the, you know, Travis Zajac and Cal Palmieri trade really complements their whole uh, offense. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it fits their scheme a lot better. I think, you know, when Patrick Line got traded to Columbus, I kind of, you know, thought it was a weird fit. And I feel like Taylor Hall with the Islanders would be a weird fit as well, just because, you know, he, he's known for being, you know, super elite offensively, but, you know, a little bit of a liability on defense. So, you know, I think a good thing overall that that trade, you know, never went through. And I think the Islanders definitely got, you know, the better deal. So the Panthers uh, trade or sorry, acquired Brandon Montour uh, in exchange for a 2021 third round pick on Saturday. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, I really love this deal for Florida as they're trying to replace that big hole by the Ekblad injury. Uh, you know, Montour is quite serviceable. Uh, you know, they signed Matt Kierstad a couple of weeks back and he has been great. So, yeah, I, you know, I love this deal by Florida to kind of uh, shore up on the Ekblad hole. No, exactly. I, I've been really liking the moves that Florida's made, you know, within the last couple of days. And, you know, Montour just being, you know, a right-handed defenseman can play both ways. Um, you know, he, he scored a couple goals for Buffalo against the Flyers in the game that they, you know, finally broke the streak. So he's been proven to, you know, score. Buffalo acquired Montour, you know, I think it was two years ago for a first round pick. So they turned a first round pick into a third round pick, you know, unfortunate for Buffalo. But, you know, I do, I do like the fit for uh, Montour going to Florida. Uh, you know, again, so we have another trade to announce uh, with Colorado and San Jose. Uh, you know, San Jose, they acquired a 2021 fifth round pick in Greg Pattern, uh, and they gave up, uh, you know, Devin Dubnik to the Colorado Avalanche. So, you know, the, just the Avalanche getting more goaltending depth behind um, Grubauer there since Francois is injured. And, you know, like we mentioned, uh, you know, with the Leafs, they don't want to have the same problem like they did in the bubble. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think, you know, Devin Dubnik, you know, he, he's he's had a lot of high points and a lot of low points in his career. So it, really, what goalie are we going to get in Colorado? I think, you know, it's a good acquisition. I think at this point in time, we can assume that, you know, Francois is kind of done for the year because they have, you know, Jonathan and, and Dubnik as well. Uh, you know, Colorado just really preparing for a deep cup run, you know, with making these depth moves. 
there was a three-team trade for David Savard. So Tampa Bay acquires David Savard, and it was actually announced today that Savard's going to be playing alongside of Hedman. So that's quite an introduction to introduction to your new team. Uh, okay. Detroit got a 2021 fourth-round pick, and Columbus uh, got a 2021 first-round pick. Uh, which is Tampa Bay, a 2021, a 2022-3rd third round pick, sorry, uh, which is also Tampa Bay's property, and Brian Lashoff. Columbus retains 50% of Savard's contract, and I'm not sure if uh, Detroit retained any salary on David Savard, but uh, yeah, that's the David Savard trade. Huge trade for Tampa Bay. They boost, they bolster up their top four. Uh, you know, David Savard's going to be a great addition for Tampa. Yeah, uh, I think the Tampa Bay Lightning in the modern day is the closest thing that you're ever going to see to a real life, you know, NHL franchise mode, NHL BGM mode. Just, you know, the players that they have on their team, it's it's absolutely insane how they're able to, you know, fit all these guys on one roster. And another thing I'd like to point out is, you know, he, he's responsible for making the blueprint, but, you know, even though he's not in Tampa anymore, you know, Stevie Y is somehow able to, you know, help the Lightning acquire a big piece at the deadline. Wyatt Kalinick got his first NHL goal uh, for the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, another piece uh, to their rebuilding team there. And, you know, Chicago, they seem to be going for the playoffs there. I can't believe just, you know, they've surprised me this whole season. Yeah, I think for them, it's about consistency. You know, some games they do look like a solid team and some games, you know, they, they look like they have a lot to improve, but you know, a, a thing I le- I've liked about Chicago this year is, you know, with the absence of, you know, Jonathan Taves, they've just been giving, you know, it seems like a lot of young guys, you know, a chance to play and, you know, they've been capitalizing on their opportunities. Connor Brown scored his seventh straight goal for the Ottawa Senators, which is a, a new record there for uh, longest goal streak. And, you know, I, for all the players that they've had, uh, you know, I wouldn't think it would be Connor Brown to set the record. Yeah, um, it's interesting, you know, Connor Brown, when you think about the Senators, he's kind of an afterthought, but, you know, a super solid piece, you know, within that lineup. Uh, I think the Leafs, you know, two years later, you can definitely look at them as the losers of that trade as, you know, the Senators were able to get Connor Brown and Nikita Zaitsev. And, you know, we know what Cody Cece did in Toronto and, and it wasn't wasn't all that much. On Sunday, uh, Montreal acquired John Merrill from Detroit in exchange for a 2021 fifth-round pick in Hayden Verbeek. This move comes after waving Mete, who got claimed by Ottawa today. Uh, so, you know, I, I think, you know, I, as a personal Habs fan here, uh, I like this move. Uh, you know, I from what I see, John Merrill is a defensive defenseman there. And, you know, another stay-at-home defenseman that Habs just keep stacking up on. And really, teams here just have to prepare for injuries. And, you know, as we see, you know, with recent Stanley Cup winners, they go through defense like no other, man. They, you know, I'm not sure, but there's a graphic on TSN today. And, you know, there's like teams using nine defensemen, eight defensemen. And so that's where the depth comes into play. I, I like this move. Uh, I think he'll be better than Mete. And Mete just simply didn't work out in Montreal. Yeah, I think, you know, it's just on the defensive end, an upgrade from Mete. You know, Mete, you know, had a lot to bring offensively, you know, even if it it took him a while to get that first career goal. Um, But, you know, John Merrill, you know, you're not giving up too much, a fifth round pick and, you know, not not a high level prospect just for, you know, a depth defender. I think, you know, it it was a smart move by uh, Mark Bergevin. Toronto acquired Nick Foligno and Stefan Nosen for a first and two fourths. 
Uh, you know, I really like this trade. Uh, you know, it's a great addition for an already solid team there in Toronto. I think Nick Foligno, uh, with acquiring him, allows Zach Hyman to play on the first line with Matthews and Marner. And, you know, like we said uh, a couple weeks ago, that line has so much chemistry that, you know, it looks bad when you split them up, you know, uh, Matthews and Marner, and then you throw Hyman in there. I love that line, that first line for Toronto. Uh, you know, this is just a great trade for Toronto. No, absolutely. And, you know, they lost uh, Travis Boyd and Jimmy BC on waivers this season. And that's kind of, you know, the only, you know, bad part of the season. And they're able, you know, at the deadline to, you know, fire some pieces, you know, like, like Nosen, you know, he, he could be a good depth piece. And then Nick Foligno, you know, he's just a guy, he, he's a great leader, you know, he, he can contribute offensively, defensively. I just think it's a really good piece for Toronto. And I think, you know, that it's going to be, you know, what pushes them to being, you know, on that next level and able to make a deep run in this playoffs. We got some news on Henrik Lundqvist and it is not good news. He is not coming back this season. Uh, he got more inflammation in his heart. So, uh, you know, not good whatsoever, but uh, he said he was progressing really well in his training. So hopefully we will see him again before he announces his retirement. Yeah, exactly. You know, just just not the way that you want to see any player go. Hopefully he's able to, you know, fill the crease once more, uh, you know, for a team, whether it be Washington or maybe he goes back to New York. But, you know, unfortunate, just a legend. And, you know, you're just hoping for him to, you know, be safe. Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar are going to Boston for Anders Bjork in a 2021 second round pick. Uh, you know, I think this is a great pickup by Boston. Uh, it addresses their need for a second line left wing, uh, you know, and, and he's playing with Krejci, who's his center and Krejci can give Hall the puck. Uh, maybe Hall will put the puck in the back of the net more often. Uh, but yeah, I, I love this because, you know, I think Hall performs better when not all the pressure is on him. And this allows the perfection line of David Pasternak, Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand to stay together. No, exactly. I think when you look at Boston's, you know, roster makeup, when you have that perfection line together, it's just an incredible line. But, you know, it, it does, you know, make for a little bit of depth issues, just, you know, lack of scoring on the other three lines. But getting a guy like Taylor Hall, I think is a great addition. And, you know, they weren't even, they, they gave up Anders Bjork, who, you know, is a good depth piece and we'll see how he does in Buffalo. But, you know, the, the biggest piece here is, you know, a 2021 second round pick and, you know, Boston, they're looking to make a deep run. So that pick could even be looking like an early third. So I, I think a good trade for the Bruins for sure. The Pittsburgh Penguins acquired Jeff Carter for two conditional picks. Uh, the third round pick can become a second round pick if the Penguins reach the cup final. And the other condition is Carter plays in at least 50% of the games. Uh, you know, the Penguins get the center depth they are looking for. Uh, Crosby, Malkin, and Carter as their three centers. And Ron Hextall reunites with, uh, you know, one of his longtime players. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I saw someone saying that it would be funny, you know, if Ron Hextall and Jeff Carter were able to win the cup on the on the Penguins, you know, just Flyers fans all around would be, you know, hating on that. But I think it just really does give the Penguins a lot, you know, Crosby, Malkin and Carter that as 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 three centers down the middle, you know, your first three lines, I think it's really good. Uh, you know, just guys who can who can do a lot. And I think, you know, I, I really like the acquisition of Jeff Carter. Boston acquires some depth on defense in Mike Riley in exchange for a 2022 third round pick. Uh, you know, Boston gets their much needed depth on the back end. Cause uh, you know, I mentioned that they were thought with, uh, you know, three of their top defensemen, uh, you know, from a Habs fan, uh, I, I, you know, Mike Riley did play for the Montreal Canadians. He's a great puck mover. He can get the rush started. He can jump in the rush. 
Uh, and, you know, this actually frees up a spot for, you know, Ottawa's top prospect, Jacob Bernard Docker, who's who should be playing uh, his first NHL game this week uh, or, you know, in the coming weeks. So I think this trade is great for both teams. No, absolutely. I think, you know, just getting more, uh, I don't know how the uh, Senators acquired Mike Riley, but I doubt it was anything more than a third round pick. So, you know, for them, they're just getting some draft capital and, you know, Boston's getting, you know, a puck, like you said, a puck moving guy. I think, you know, he's, he's solid. He can, he can start an, a breakout by himself. You know, he, he's had an okay year on Ottawa, you know, uh, just being that second, you know, offensive defenseman behind Thomas Shabbat. Uh, I, I like the move for Boston. Absolutely. You know, and there is actually an interdivisional trade in the North Division there. Uh, Toronto acquires David Riddick from the Calgary Flames in exchange for a 2022 third round pick. Toronto gets depth behind Jack Campbell. This is really, that's all there is. Uh, I don't expect Dave to, I mean, Dave could uh, start games before the end of the season, but if Freddie Anderson does come back before the playoffs start, uh, I expect Riddick to become the third goalie uh, on the taxi squad there. Uh, and, you know, they don't want to have a situation where they play Hutchinson in the playoffs. Uh, so they're just getting some stability on the back end there. Uh, and Riddick actually does not does not have to quarantine uh, due to it being an interdivisional trade. So he can start uh, as soon as actually tomorrow. Uh, the Leafs play the Flames tomorrow. So uh, that'd be kind of interesting to have uh, Dave Riddick uh, play uh, against his former team. Yeah, I'd, I'd actually love to see him get the start in that game. Uh, you know, just just another depth move for the Leafs. I think, you know, they're they're really, you know, digging their heels in and realizing that, you know, after the divisions, you know, go back to normal, this might be the best shot they have at making a deep run in, in, in a while. So I think I think they're going all in this year and it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how far they can go. All right, so let's get into today's news, uh, which we haven't done at all during a down-to-the-wire segment. Uh, so the Sabres uh, were announced today that they are not trading Linus Olmark. Uh, they still remain a priority to sign him. So it's good to see that, uh, you know, the Sabres are willing to uh, not part ways with part of their future. Yeah, you know, Linus Olmark, you know, for me, he's, he's, he's special because – uh, I think it was Buffalo versus Vancouver in like 2015 or 16. And I, I think it was one of Allmark's first career starts and I was able to actually see it. You know, he, 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 he won the game. So it was interesting. Uh, and he's just grown into, you know, a really solid goalie for them. Uh, you know, that should be top priority for them to be able to re-sign him. He's just been, you know, probably the best player on the team this season. Uh, and, you know, Milan Lucic is actually going to play in his 1,000th game tomorrow. Uh, you know, huge accomplishment for uh, Milan there. He has a Stanley Cup ring, but, uh, you know, he played with L.A. He's been bounced around there uh, ever since he signed his long-term contract, was involved in that James Neal trade, uh, one for one between Edmonton and Calgary. Uh, yeah, so, you know, huge accomplishment for Milan Lucic for playing 1,000 games. No, absolutely. You know, you got to love the Luch, you know, uh, even even though he's kind of, you know, fallen off, fallen off a cliff in terms of his production level. He's just still an interesting character and, you know, just a guy that we're familiar with being in the league for the last, you know, 10, 15 years. Victor Mete claim was claimed off waivers by Ottawa. I think this is a great move by Ottawa. It allows him to actually get more playing time because in Montreal, you know, you had the Sherratt Weber pairing, Edmondson and Petrie, uh, Kulak, uh, you know, Kulak was rotating with Rom Romanov and Mete. So, you know, Mete was in and out of the lineup. And when he was in the lineup, he didn't play uh, a consistent game, uh, in my opinion. So I think by him going to a rebuilding team, I thought Ottawa or Detroit would claim him. 
uh, it ended up being Ottawa. So I think with him getting in Ottawa, I think he'll have more ice time uh, to show off his skills. Exactly. You know, I was happy that he was able to go to a team like Ottawa just, you know, so that he's given this opportunity. You know, they lost Mike Riley, trading him to Boston. And, you know, they obviously have Bernard Docker, who's going to step into the lineup. But, you know, he's just got opportunity now in Ottawa. And hopefully, you know, he can find himself, you know, being stably inside their top six, you know, for the future. Sammy Votnin got claimed off waivers by Dallas. Uh, you know, there, he, there were trade talks with Sammy uh, going from, I think Montreal is actually interested. Like Montreal has been interested in defense this whole week leading up to the trade deadline. So, uh, you know, I thought this move by Dallas, uh, you know, it's to bring in depth, but more importantly, I thought Jamie Oleksiak was going to get traded today. So I thought this move signaled the, you know, the departure of Oleksiak, but that didn't seem to be the case. Yeah, it's unfortunate that Dallas is, you know, on the outside of the playoffs looking in, you know, Sammy Votnin would have been a really nice piece to see, you know, add to a playoff team. You know, last year he got traded at the deadline to uh, Carolina and he, he was solid for the Hurricanes, you know, in their playing series as well as, you know, their series against Boston. Uh, so, you know, hopefully he can, you know, find some success in Dallas. I was interested to see him on waivers, uh, you know, honestly, but he's only got one year left on his deal. So I think it'll be a short, you know, stay for him in Dallas. Dmitry Kulikov got traded to Edmonton from the New Jersey Devils for a conditional 2022 fourth round pick or 2021 fourth round pick. My bad. I, uh, you know, I, I don't know too much on Kulikov. I know he only has two points this season, but I think he's supposed to be brought in as a kind of a defensive uh, minded defense there for Edmonton. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, he's going to have to quarantine for seven days. Uh, once again, that got reduced from 14 to seven, but I'll throw it to you as an Oilers fan. What are your thoughts on the trade? I think, you know, the Oilers were also in on John Merrill and the Habs ended up getting him. So, you know, they looked to another option, which was Dmitry Kulikov, um, you know, just looking for depth defense. And I really do think, you know, it, it does help our lineup. You know, our, our defense is, is super young, super inexperienced. You know, you got guys like William Lagasin, you know, Caleb Jones, some guys who maybe don't have as much experience, you know, playing, you know, in the playoffs, playing those big minutes. So, you know, not to say big minutes, but I think Kulikov definitely, you know, gives us a little more defensive stability. And, and I like the move. We're not giving up too much. Chicago acquires Adam Gaudet from the Vancouver Canucks for Matthew Highmore. Uh, you know, this comes as a, as a loss for Vancouver because, uh, you know, Adam Gaudet, he's a former Hobie Baker uh, trophy winner for best collegiate mm -hmm. ath athlete, hockey player. Um, yeah. But yeah, so uh, Adam got to, I thought he was going to be a part of the Canucks future. You know, uh, he's a good bottom six forward, provides the physicality, provides the grit, uh, you know, but he doesn't really show off his skills because he's playing behind, you know, great forwards such as Bo Horvat, the Bessers, the Pedersons, uh, you know, the JT Millers. So, you know, you're not going to see Godet crack the top six uh, in Vancouver. However, you could see him crack the top six or middle six in, in Chicago, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and I really think it'll prove to be a good deal for the Blackhawks, you know. I think Matt Highmore, you know, he I, he scored a goal against Edmonton in the uh, play-in series last year. That's all I can remember him for. Um, but, you know, Adam Gaudet, you know, like you said, former Hobie Baker winner, you know, just, just looking to, you know, be able to provide, you know, middle six. I think that that's his target, you know, to be a middle six forward in the NHL. And I think, you know, Chicago's going to give him a good opportunity to do that. 
Uh, just scrolling here on the TSN trade uh, tracker here. Uh, next trade that we'll talk about is the Matias Yamark trade. Uh, you know, that was another three-team deal. Uh, so the firstly, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights acquired Matias Yamark uh, in a 2022 fifth-round pick from Chicago for a 2021 second-round pick and a 2022 third-round pick. But uh, Yamark had to go through San Jose. Uh, so San Jose retains... Yamark's co- uh, like a bit of Yamark's contract doesn't it doesn't say here what percentage but uh you know San Jose got a 2022 uh you know fifth round pick um but yeah so Matias Yamark is on the uh on the Vegas Golden Knights and you know I think this is a great uh, deal for Vegas uh, you know a great depth there uh with Yamark he I think he performed to expectations in Chicago uh, but yeah, I, I really like this move for Vegas. It makes them tough, more tougher to play against. Yeah, exactly. I, I think it just adds a lot to their already, you know, so, somewhat deep forward core. And I, I you know, you just got to applaud uh, Chicago. They're able to turn guys like Matias Yanmark. We'll get into it later, but they traded uh, Carl Soderberg as well. You know, just getting these pieces, you know, even if it is a second and third round pick, you know, you could look at this as being a great trade for their franchise, you know, 10 years down the road, depending on who they're able to draft. But you know, just, just being able to, you know, flip their guys that, you know, they probably aren't going to, you know, bring back for, for any assets, I think it is a win in their books. Alex, I follow, agreed to a four-year extension with the LA Kings. Uh, it's four years, four mil AAV. Uh, you know, this is a big part of LA's future here. And I, I really like this signing. I didn't really see I follow getting traded today. Uh, I knew there were contract negotiations leading up to the trade deadline. And I kind of thought that LA would eventually sign him. Yeah, you know, especially after they traded Jeff Carter last night, you know, I expected I followed to stay put, um, you know, you can't you can't afford to lose too much to your, you know, offense. Um, but, you know, going back to the Jeff Carter trade, you know, maybe maybe it provides, you know, a guy like Quinton Byfield, to, you know, step into the lineup. You know, I'm not sure if he will, but, you know, there's a hole at center. Um, but in terms of I follow, I think, you know, he's he's solid. He's played alongside, you know, Justin Brown, uh, Dustin Brown and Anze Kopitar this year. Uh, if, if he's able to be that top line left winger for them, you know, $4 million a year is definitely a steal of a contract. And, uh, you know, four years, not too short term, not too long term. You know, I, I just like the contract all around. Like you mentioned, Colorado, uh, you know, acquired Carl Soderberg from Chicago in exchange for Josh Dickinson and Ryder Ralston. Uh, you know, Ryder, he's an up and coming, uh, you know, scoring winger there. Uh, for Chicago. I think he will uh, do well there in Chicago. Uh, you know, Ryder is the son of Ron Ralston, uh, who played for New Jersey and was on, was a part of many cup winning teams there. Uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, Chicago again, uh, trading off Carl Soderberg and making sure they get, uh, you know, young assets back. Yeah. Carl Soderberg, you know, played for the avalanche, you know, I think it was two seasons ago uh, and then signed in Arizona. I don't know if he was traded or signed with Chicago, uh, but, you know, he's back in Colorado, and I'm just ca- trying to think, you know, where does he fit into that lineup? You know, they just got so much depth. Um, it just gives them even more. And, you know, Colorado is just going to be, you know, such a scary team, you know, not only this year, but, you know, in the future as well to, you know, win the cup each and every season. Scott Lawton signed a extension there, five years, three mil AAV, 15 mil altogether. Uh, you know, I it, five years seems a bit much, but uh, at three mil, uh, I think I'm fine with this contract. I, I like it. Uh, you know, he provides grit and, you know, toughness. He can really do it at both ends of the ice. No, exactly. I think Scott Lawton, he, he's been a solid piece for the Flyers for, you know, a long time. And, you know, they're able to lock him up at five more years. You know, three million is not too much. 
I think, you know, his role with that team is like third, fourth line center, but, you know, he just does provide a lot. And he's one of those blue guys for Philadelphia, you know, just being able to, I think former first round pick as well. So, you know, just a good contract, you know, five years, not too pricey and, and a guy that can do a lot. Well, speaking of former first round picks, I can use that to transition to the Sam Bennett trade uh, to Florida in exchange for a second round pick plus Emil Heinemann. Uh, so Sam Bennett got more than Taylor Hall. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, Chicago or not Chicago, but Calgary uh, gets a second round pick and a prospect back in for Sam Bennett, who really busted in Calgary, never really showed off, uh, you know, what he's capable of. So hopefully in Florida, he can wipe this, uh, you know, slate clean and get back on track. No, exactly. And I, I think Joel Quinville is going to like him just because, you know, he's got a little bit of a Joel Quinville mustache going. Uh, you know, he, he's able to grow it out and look like the look like the Lorax. Um, but Sam Bennett, you know, just a, you know, former fourth overall pick, uh, thank God the Oilers didn't take him over Leon Dreisettle in that draft. You know, there was rumors that that's the guy that they wanted. I remember a lot of Oilers fans were upset when we took Dreisettle over Bennett. So I think, you know, you know, uh, seven years later, we, we took the right guy, but you know, Sam Bennett could provide, you know, a, a good bottom six role for this Panthers team. And I think, you know, getting Montour, getting Sam Bennett. I think this Panthers team, you know, they're prepared to go on a run and it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what they're able to do. Philadelphia trades Eric Gustafson uh, to Montreal in exchange for a 2022 seventh round pick. Uh, Flyers retain 50% of Gustafson's contract, which is 3 million for the one year. Uh, you know, Montreal fleecing again. Uh, I, I think uh, Gustafson's price dropped as the hours progressed during the day. And, you know, giving up a 2022 seventh round pick is really not much. Uh, the probability of that player becoming an NHL star or at least in a consistent basis is, you know, very, very low. So, yeah, uh, you know, for what it's worth and, you know, for what Gustafson brings to Montreal, I like this deal. No, yeah, same. Uh, Gustafson, you know, he's fallen off a little bit, but, you know, only two seasons ago, I believe he had a 60-point season, something like that. So, you know, a guy that could step in, you know, potentially be a power play guy if a Petrie or Weber is to go down, um, you know, just, just adding depth and for a seventh-round pick, it's not not expensive whatsoever. And I think, you know, it just, it just you know, good move for the Habs. Ottawa trades Eric Branson for a 2023 seventh-round pick. Uh, you know, this opens a roster spot for, you know, Jacob Bernard Docker, like we mentioned, the Josh Browns. Uh, you know, the young movement is finally moving in for Ottawa. And, you know, I, I like this. Uh, Gabranson never really played well in Ottawa. But, yeah, I really like this a lot. Yeah, exactly. You know, even if you're getting a seventh-round pick, you know, you're freeing up that roster spot for one of your young guys to, you know, come in and step in. Uh, I think it's a good move for the Senators. And, you know, I, I really just am, am intrigued. I, I like watching the Senators, you know, just – see how they're going to be able to build, you know, the next generation of this team. And it's interesting to see, you know, now we're getting all these guys, you know, stepping up into the lineup uh, and, and we're starting to really see the future of the Senators. Washington acquired some depth uh, from the Philadelphia Flyers in Michael Roffle in exchange for a fifth round pick. Uh, the year that fifth round pick is in, it doesn't say here on the trade uh, tracker here on TSN, but uh, I'm assuming it's 2021. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, Michael Roffle provides great bottom scoring there. Uh, and I think he'll be a great fit in Washington. Uh, Philadelphia would seem to be a seller today, uh, despite them, you know, not being so far out of the playoff race, but it does seem very unlikely that they'll make the playoffs. 
Yeah, I think, you know, Michael Roffel, he, he replaces, you know, Richard Ponick, who they, you know, will get to in a trade later. Um, but, you know, just a solid depth piece. And I think, you know, Washington, I think I think they're first as of now in that East Division. Um, you know, they won the Cup in 2018. Uh, and and I, I think they're poised for another deep run. We'll, we'll see if they're able to get past the Islanders. You know, they weren't able to do that last year. Um, but I, I think the East Division is going to provide, you know, three great matchups, no matter who they are, you know, in that playoff. Anaheim bolstered their defensive core by acquiring Hayden Flurry from Carolina in exchange for Yanni Hockenpah and a sixth round pick. I really like this pick, uh, you know, sorry, this uh, trade here by Anaheim uh, because now in your top four, all right, you have Hampus Lindholm, Cam Fowler, soon to be Jamie Drysdale and Hayden Flurry. Uh, you know, that's a great top four there. And, you know, you could add Josh Manson in the top six as well. Yeah, you know, Hayden Fleury, I, I, I would have thought he went for a lot more than the six-round pick and uh, Hannah uh, Hockenpah. You know, Hockenpah was, I think, I think he might be the NHL hits leader this year. I'm not too sure. You know, I see him popping up in fantasy every once in a while because he'll have like an eight or nine hit game and people will go crazy. Um, but, you know, Hayden Fleury, I think former first-round pick, you know, just a really good move for, you know, Anaheim, just getting younger and, you know, he, he could definitely blow up and be a good top four piece for them. Brandon Montour was uh, being interviewed, you know, Florida, they uh, got Brandon Montour to answer questions from the media and, you know, he explained the adversity he had to face. So, you know, the coaching change playing on his offside, there was no clarity within the role of his team and very little power play time. So, you know, what that speaks to Joel Quenville is to play him on the power play to really communicate. And what that shows me is that the Sabres had no communication whatsoever when, um, Ralph Kruger was the coach. If that's what's happening to Brandon Montour, I can assume or I can expect that's what's happening to most of, if not the majority of the Sabres players. No, absolutely. I think, you know, with uh, Granado, you know, they, they're trending in a, you know, much better direction in Buffalo. But I think, you know, the Kruger era is just, you know, got a, got a you know, gray plague over it. Um, you know, when Buffalo acquired uh, Montour a couple seasons ago, I was really excited. You know, he was a top four guy for Anaheim. And I thought he was going to, you know, be given, you know, all the opportunity to succeed in Buffalo, you know, obviously wasn't able to. And through all this, it was an unfortunate time. But, you know, it, we'll be able to see, you know, now he's going to play for one of the, you know, most winning coaches of all time in Quinville. And, you know, he, he really just, you know, wants a change of scenery, you know, going to Florida. And, and it'll be nice to see how he plays. Moving on, you know, the Vancouver Canucks traded Jordy Ben to the Winnipeg Jets in exchange for a sixth round pick. Uh, you know, I think this comes as, you know, kind of like a, a missed chance for Winnipeg. Uh, you know, I think there were better options on the market, but that could have been more pricier options. Uh, but, you know, it, it's a premium price to pay if you want to battle for the Stanley Cup. You know, you have to pay that price. And sometimes, uh, you know, the future is as important as it is, you know, the current times. So uh, I think Jordy Ben will be quite serviceable for Winnipeg. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think the only thing that separates Winnipeg from being, you know, a dark horse, you know, quote unquote candidate to, you know, a legitimate candidate is, you know, their, their blue line. And I'm not saying Jordy Ben, you know, fixes that, but he definitely does provide some stability, you know, a guy that can play some, you know, big defensive minutes and, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how he fits into that lineup. But, you know, Winnipeg, you know, also, you know, bolstering up for a deep playoff run, potentially. It's just going to be interesting to see all these playoff matchups. There's lots of storylines and it's going to be, you know, really fun playoff, I think, to watch. 
Chicago traded Madison Bowie, and I thought Bowie was still in Detroit, I'll be honest, but uh, Vancouver basically replaces Jordy Ben with Madison Bowie. Uh, you know, Vancouver also acquired a fifth round pick. Uh, Chicago acquires a fourth round pick. Uh, you know, I think that uh, Madison Bowie, uh, you know, never really showed. Uh, he, he's been bounced around, you know, Washington, Detroit, Chicago, now Vancouver. Uh, he's been in the AHL. You know, he's this is what the market value is, I think, for Madison Bowie. You know, there's not much uh, more to it. Uh, hopefully he can be a bottom, good bottom pair defenseman for Vancouver. Yeah, you know, I, I hope he does crack the lineup. You know, he, he's got a Stanley Cup ring to his name. You mentioned he played in Washington. And I just remember, you know, when they were hoisting the cup, seeing Madison Bowie on the ice being like, I don't think he played. Um, but, you know, he's, he's still got the ring being a part of that organization. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, he's just been bounced around. And, you know, with guys like that, you know, it's just unfortunate. And you hope that they, you know, are able to find, you know, a home. And hopefully Vancouver is that for him. So as I was writing these notes, uh, I, I don't know if it says in the edits, but, uh, you know, I, I wrote down in which the NHL was more like the NBA. And little did I know that a few minutes, few hours later, Anthony Manta, this was the big blockbuster. I think this trade is going to uh, be more um, more important, more broadcasted, more talked about uh, than the Taylor Hall trade because this is a hockey trade. We haven't had a hockey trade in over a couple of years. You know, uh, we see UFA deals that's being, you know, UFA, like players getting uh, one year left on the deal getting traded the deadline. You know, Anthony Manta has like four years left. So let's get to the trade. Anthony Manta is traded to Washington in exchange for Richard Ponick, Jacob Vrana, a 2021 first round pick and a 2022 second round pick. What a boatload of uh, players and draft picks for Washington Washington to give up. It's clear to me that Washington is going full in for the Stanley Cup again, and rightfully so. Uh, you know, Alex Alexander Ovechkin and uh, Nicholas Backstrom aren't getting any old, any younger. Um, you know, Detroit, perfect. They have Vrana. I love Vrana. It's great speed, uh, great two-way game. He has great goal scoring as well. Richard Ponick there to slot in until you know one of their prospects develops. They get a 2021 first round pick again, you know, that will probably be a late first round pick, but uh, you know, this draft is really uh, slim pickings uh, due to the lack of scouting. So then you pick up a future uh, 2022 second round pick. And we all know how deep that 2022 class uh, can be. And, you know, I'm super excited to see how deep that is. And Stevie, why I think this, this is a trade that benefits both teams. Stevie, why did amazing. And um, I, I'm forgetting the capitals GM uh, name off the top of my mind, but uh, yeah, what a trade. I I'm, I'm super happy that we got a blockbuster deal. No. Yeah. Me as well. And, you know, you and I, we were kind of, you know, negotiating when we should record the episode today. And, you know, maybe if we had to record it at 3 PM, we wouldn't have, you know, gotten, you know, the Anthony Mantha trade in time. So it's a good thing, you know, we waited. I think it's just, you know, a phenomenal package for Detroit. You know, you got a guy like Jacob Vrana, who was a for former first round pick. You know, he he's, I think, scored at least 20 goals last season. You know, he, he's just a solid guy, can, can score. I think he's one dimensional in that element where he's just kind of like, you know, a pure sniper, whereas Mantha, you know, is, is a nice power forward. He can score, you know, just provide a little bit of everything. But, you know, also getting a first and second round pick, I think, you know, Eiserman just did a really good job and got a really good package in return for, you know, a guy that, you know, maybe was a part of the future, maybe wasn't a part of the future. It was just kind of always, you know, in the air, whether Mantha was, you know, a part of the core or not. And I guess not, um, you know, excited to see what he does in Washington though, for sure. 
Well, here are the, I have a tweet pulled up on my computer screen right now. So here are the draft, the Red Wings draft stock. So they have 22 picks over the next two drafts, 12 picks in 2022, seven picks in the first three rounds of 2021, including two first round picks. I mean, you know, the future is now for Detroit and, you know, it's fine because general managers and scouting, they'll have their hits and misses. But when you have, uh, you know, a combined 22 picks over the next two drafts, you better hope that you hit rather than miss. Exactly. And, you know, Iserman, you know, we see what he did in Tampa. You know, they, they drafted very well and he was able to, you know, get them a cup, even though it was the year after he left. Um, you know, Detroit just, you know, they were in an unfortunate situation, you know, post their 25 straight playoff win, uh, playoff making seasons, just because, you know, they sacrificed so much of their future just to be able to always be in a competitive, you know, uh, state. And, you know, they lost Zetterberg. He had to retire because of injury. You know, Pavel Datsuk went to the KHL. And it's just been a kind of, you know, rough couple of years. But, you know, hopefully these, you know, picks, they, they've really been investing in these drafts. And, you know, hopefully it's able, you know, turn something in return for, Detroit and they're able to you know make the playoffs once again so before we get to Pegasus predictions let's go over Zach Hogan's uh, power rankings for the North Division again Uh, so at one he has the Maple Leafs at two he has the Winnipeg Jets at three he has the Edmonton Oilers at four he has the Montreal Canadiens at five he has the Calgary Flames at six he has the Ottawa Senators and again not ranked is the Vancouver Canucks uh, you know, I think the like we've been talking about all season long, uh, the four teams that are in the playoff race or sorry, that are in playoff positions in the North Division are going to be the four teams that make it. Uh, yeah. So even with Montreal slumping uh, this week that we just saw, Calgary couldn't really make up ground. Uh, you know, they haven't really made up ground since Sutter took over head coach. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm super happy with uh, how Montreal is still number four. Yeah, you know, Hogan's kind of disrespected Montreal in the last couple of weeks, you know, not really been able to give them much credit, but, you know, finally has them within the top four. And, you know, those rankings, I, I, there's not much to argue with them. They're close to the standings, you know, just the way that things are, you know, you can't really argue with the way that, you know, the wins and points have gone this season. You know, it's it's pretty much just, you know, uh, hard to argue with any of those, you know, with any rankings. So we have a couple games on Tuesday night. Uh, firstly, the Sabres and the Bruins. Uh, I got to give it to the Bruins. I'm super excited to see how Taylor Hall plays. Uh, for oh, once, too. I'll actually be attentively listening to a Sabres game. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's going to be very fun to see the Bruins beat up on the Sabres. Flyers and Capitals. Uh, you know, with the Cavs acquiring Anthony Mantha, like they seem to be on the unbeatable force there in the East Division. Uh, you know, I'm going to give the Capitals the win Rangers and Devils. Uh, I'm going to give the Rangers the win over there. I usually give it to the Devils, but, uh, you know, the Rangers are playing their hot hottest, you know, going on the correct, uh, time to succeed. So yeah, I'll give it to the Rangers flames and Maple Leafs. Uh, I'm going to give it to the Maple Leafs, uh, simply because if the Habs do want to do go on a colossal collapse there, uh, I'm hoping the flames get eliminated before then. Uh, the Lightning and Predators, I'm going to give it to the Lightning. Actually, you know, by the regular season records, Lightning have 28 regular regulation wins and the Preds only have 23. So, you know, five wins separate that. That's kind of crazy to think about. Uh, Panthers and Stars, I'm going to give it to the Florida Panthers after acquiring Sam Bennett. 
I'll I'll go with the Sabres over the Bruins. You know, a little bit of a biased pick. You know, always you like picking the Devils. I like picking the Sabres. You know, even though it hasn't been successful for us too many times. You know, I'll, I'll stick with it. Um, and and much like that, you know, on that note, I'll go with the Devils over the Rangers. Um, I'll go with the Leafs over the Flames. I think they're just the superior team with their new acquisitions. It'll be you know nice to see. Hopefully, Dave Riddick gets that start. Um, I'll go with the Capitals over the Flyers. You know, like you mentioned, the Flyers seem to be selling at the deadline, even though they're somewhat still in the race. And, you know, the Capitals, you know, are just going to want to, you know, win every game that they can. Uh, I'll go with the Lightning over the Predators. Lightning are just a really good team. Uh, and I'll go with the uh, Panthers over the Stars as well. I think, you know, they're solid. You know, some of their new pieces coming in, it'll be interesting to see how they fit. But, you know, I think they'll, I think they'll beat Dallas in that one. Well, I'd like to thank again Nolan Thode for joining me on another edition of Down to the Wire. Oh, it was a pleasure, Pags.